Bruce Darling? Not yet, sir. He's past the others. The last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. A killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots them, skins them, and dumps them. A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's got real physical strength, cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. With the darkest of all minds. Just do your job and never forget what he is. Oh, he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So close to the way you're going to catch him. Do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't spook easily. What is going on, everyone? Uh, we are happy to be back with you this week. Our last episode was a big success. It was the, our review of Freddy vs. Jason. And so far, uh, that one has just kept climbing with the uh, viewership. <clears throat> it's already surpassed the one before that, yeah. which I don't even remember what it was before that, to be honest with you. So oh, it was Leprechaun Returns. Leprechaun Returns. And this week, we have a special one. This is Randy's pick as yes. his number one. It is... The Silence of the Lambs. Yes. And it's been forever since I've sat down and actually watched this movie all the way through. Hello, Clitties. But anyway, uh, we're back. And of course, you know, I'm Johnny. I'm Randy. And we're here. You're listening to Small Town Horror with Johnny and Randy. And uh, man, it just seems like sickness has come upon both of me and Randy. Me and you both are dealing with it. And it happens every year. It happens to me twice a year. Once when it goes from... Summer and fall to winter, and then when it goes from winter to spring to summer, every year my nasal passages want to jack up, my throat wants to sound like it's all closed up and frogs. Yeah, it's terrible. Right, and this happens like he said, at least once or twice a year to me. Uh, I cannot hear anything out of my right ear. <clears throat> I've got an upper respiratory infection, so we debated on whether to do the podcast or not. But it was one of those. That this month we're having three movies out, mm-hmm. and we did not want to miss them, man. No, we didn't want to miss that opportunity. So, I mean, if you hear us coughing a little bit or not sounding like ourselves, that's the reason why. And don't don't fear. We got tested for COVID. Oh, I got tested for COVID, yeah. and it come back negative. But all it is is sinus issues. <coughs> but trust me, there you go. There's number one. There's number one. Hey, you might as well pull out some whiskey. And little uh, shot glass hey, because I will make some hot toddies right now. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the listeners. Oh, oh! So every man. time we cough, take a shot. Hey, hey, you'll be drunk before you get you know 30 minutes into it. I promise you. Right, but uh, that's part of that's the part of living in Missouri, man. man. The weather changes all the time, and it goes from cold. You don't get cold, cool, warm, hot. Mm-hmm. It goes cold, hot. 
And then it'll go right back to cold. Yeah. And then it'll go back to hot. So, and I know y'all didn't tune in to hear us talking about our our uh, allergies, sinus issues, but we're just wanting to explain before we start coughing and hacking on this podcast or this episode, you know. Just, 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 just be forewarned. Right. It's going to happen. Yeah. But we've got our bottles of water. We've got our gum. Uh, and I think we've already taken our... Uh, we both took Mucinex. So... I took my shot of Tussin this morning. I did too. So... We'll see what happens. Right on. But, um, so before we get to the movie, let's just actually sit here for a minute. After all this time, you finally sit down and watching it. I love this movie. What do you think, man? Oh, man, I love this movie. There's the the fact that, like, I've seen Anthony Hopkins in so many different movies. But the fact that he can play a psychopathic serial killer so well, it blows my mind. Right. Just and then and then not even just Anthony Hopkins, Ted Levine, who plays James Gum, who is Buffalo Bill. I've seen him in so many movies. Like Shutter Island, he was mm-hmm. in Shutter Island. He played a, a general, or I believe it was in, in Shutter Island. And I've seen him in uh, Wild Wild West, where he was uh, Bloodbath McGrath. He right. plays all these gruff, you know, hardcore roles, you know, sometimes. And then to see him play somebody like who's actually pretty tough is a serial killer. Right. But the reason behind his killing is more sensitive in nature. Right. And it's actually kind of weird because you see that sensitivity in him throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But I love this movie. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Well, you know, I've I've always enjoyed the film, <clears throat> but now that I'm older and I actually sit down and watch it, mm-hmm. you know, because like I said, I have not watched this film all the way through in years. Right. I'm talking probably 10 years. It's probably been a couple of years since I've seen it. Man, I just, you know, the acting is awesome in this film. The camera work is what I've noticed. And I've got to point it out. I'm not going to wait to the end. I'm not, I mean, we'll give it a rating later, but I'm not going to wait to the end to start telling you what I enjoyed about this film. I love how it was shot to where, like, the scene where Crawford and Clarice are talking. Mm-hmm. If you ever notice, the camera's right in their face where it looks like they're looking at you. Yeah. And Crawford's like dead eyes looking at you where Clarice, Clarice always kind of looks off to the camera a little bit. Mm-hmm. But just the way it was shot <coughs> and I don't know, man, it, it, it captures you in the moment. Right. It almost puts you at an unease because, you know, when you're talking to people, like, I mean, you're talking now. Mm-hmm. I can look at you out of eye, but after a few sentences, I start looking away. Right. In the movie, it's just like, no, you're locked eyes with the actor. Well, they do they do the same thing with Lecter. Like right. there, there are certain scenes where they'll get a close up shot of Lecter's face when he's talking to Clarice, and he's got these cold stone eyes, man. Mm-hmm. And he's just like he almost looks like he's looking through the TV at you, because he just has that that I don't know, man. It's sometimes nonverbal communication right says more than anything that anybody could ever say. And you can see it in his eyes when he looks and he's just peering. And it's it's crazy. And I don't know if he did this as part of the role or if it's just me being picky. But, like, Hannibal Lecter, a.k.a. Anthony Hopkins, whatever, he don't blink a lot. No. And that's actually part of the role. He got that from um, somebody in England. I don't remember if it was a teacher of his or a colleague. Um, I, I don't remember. But he got that from this person who 
very rarely blinked whenever he was talking. Mm-hmm. And it actually creeped out anybody that was around him. The fact that he didn't blink so much when he was talking. That's where he got that from. Oh, see, yeah. well, I've always noticed that. And like, there's some things where his eyes are really watery. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, is he holding back from yeah. blinking? You know, I didn't know. Yeah. But but Anthony Hopkins is, is an amazing actor. Oh, yeah. I, there's not really a film that I have not seen that I just absolutely do not like him in. Mm. I know you haven't seen it, but I love, of course, this one. Mm-hmm. And then he played in The Mask of Zorro, which yeah. he does a great job in that. The Elephant Man, have you ever seen that one? I have seen Elephant Man. That is a wonderful one. I mean, it's just, man, he he blows my mind. And he's also a, a trans, he, where he can transition. He can be a serious person, mm-hmm. but he can also be funny, too. Oh, yeah. Got that little wit about him, you know? Yeah. But the thing that ca- captures me with the Hannibal Lecter character is how likable he is. Now, when I say that, I mean, granted, yeah, he's a killer, but he's very proper. Yeah. And, like, you know, okay, we're going to go ahead and jump into, like, that scene where <clears throat> the guards are coming to feed him. Mm-hmm. And he's and they're like, you ready for supper, Lecter? And he was like, give me just a moment, please. And he's listening to the music. And then when he when they tell him to turn around, he sits down and he's like, "Ready when you are." You know, like he's just yeah, he's following the rules and he's just he just but seems like a good guy. He's very polite. Yes, and he's proper and he is he, ready when you are, Sergeant Pembry. He's yeah. like, "Mind the drawings, please." Mm-hmm. He's just like he's very proper. He doesn't the scene at the very beginning. Well, I say at the very beginning. It's a little while into it when Clarice goes to interview him in the cell at the hospital. He's very proper with her. Mm-hmm. He's polite. He's courteous. When she finally leaves, she goes back, and one of the other guys is, you know. Yeah. Yeah, if you've never seen the movie, I'm not going to really. He's pleasuring himself, and then he throws something at the lady. That's just all I'm going to say about it. Right. But you, you can actually tell that Lecter starts yelling for her to come back, and he's visually, like, visibly, he's, like, upset about this. Yes. Like, he, he is... Like, he's really ticked off that he just disrespected her in this way. Uh, I think the guy's name was Muggs. Miggs. Miggs. Yeah. And um, so, Lecter is so polite in the fact that even though he is a psychopathic serial killer, he's still proper and still wants to pay people respect. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, and I've never read the book, so I'm guessing that's how he was in the book. But Anthony Hopkins nailed it. Oh yeah, we, for sure. It's, Hopkins did something to that role, like, and I know a lot of people will watch. Um, I think it's called Manhunter. It might be Mindhunter. I think it's Manhunter, but it's a. Uh, it's got the guy that played Grissom in uh, CSI, and he uh, he has he talks with Lecter in that one. Well, it's played by the guy that played um, in Troy. It was Agamemnon. Mm. The guy that played Agamemnon in Troy actually played Lecter in Manhunter. And I used to have a um, a social studies teacher and a street law class teacher who absolutely loved that movie. And he liked him playing Lecter better than Hannibal Lecter. And we, we actually got to watch that in a street law class. And I mean, he did a really good job, but I grew up knowing Anthony Hopkins as right. Hannibal Lecter. So... It was kind of hard for me to say, you know, this one was better than this one. But it's it, he did a really good job as far as, you know, there's there's two different kinds of comparisons. Yeah. Yeah, it's but yeah, Hopkins is is amazing. I think to to me honestly, I can't pinpoint any bad acting in this film. I think everybody played their role good. 
there was only one scene that that I just kind of like I was like uh and it's it's right around the end when she's talking to and I don't remember the other girl's name. It's the black girl? Yeah. It's it's her friend throughout the entire movie. Um they're at the very end. She's already talked to Lecter and he's talked about what does he do? He covets. Yeah. So they're talking back and forth going over the case file and it's when they're talking about that and they're discussing how he covets, how do you begin to covet? You covet what you see. And it could just be the way the camera was, but there was a couple of parts where they would look at the camera and they would just talk like they were reading from a script. You know, it just it was just kind of finicky for me. Right. But I mean, other than that, for the most part, yeah, I didn't have an issue with any of the acting. Right on. Chilton got on my nerves, but... The what? Chilton. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he did it. He did it good though, yeah, man. Yeah, he did it really good. All right, so I guess uh, if you ain't got anything <coughs> else that's going on, we'll kind of go ahead and start getting into it. Right on. So, The Silence of the Lambs is a 1991 thriller horror slash film. Uh, the story is actually by Thomas Harris. That's my clock going off. Oh, is it? Yeah. I was wondering. <laughs> I, th- I thought we were fixing to get attacked by singing aliens or something. No, no, no. Like that. That's a was. clock going off. So if y'all hear that little fine tuning. That's the clock going off in the background. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's a thriller slash horror film, uh, but it's off of a novel written by Thomas Harris. Mm-hmm. The film was directed by Jonathan Demi. I believe that's how you say his last so. name. But the cast is, uh, to me, great cast. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, Jodie Foster plays Clarice Starling. Anthony Hopkins, Hannibal Lecter. Ted Levine is Buffalo Bill. Scott Glenn is Jack Crawford, which I thought did an amazing job mm-hmm. as well. Brooke Smith is Catherine Martin. And Anthony Heald is Dr. Chilton. Yep. So, you've got the summary. Yeah, it's short and sweet. A young FBI cadet must receive the help of an incarcerated and manipulative cannibal killer to help catch another serial killer, a madman who skins his victims. There you go. There's, thought, another, there's another one that's about five pages long. I saw that, and but, I was like, is that the one he's going to be reading? No. So, <clears throat> with us uh, being a little bit under the weather, you're going to hear us going back and forth a lot, because I don't think I'm going to be able to go the whole time. You might hear Johnny over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, here we go. That's number three. So, anyway. The opening scene, it says, uh, we see... A, you know, shot of the woods, and all of a sudden it says woods near. What's that say? Guantanamo, or Guantanamo? Ain't no Guantanamo. No, Quantico. Quantico, Quantico, Virginia. And it's a FBI academy training. Yep. And we see a woman running through the woods. She's going through an obstacle course, and we realize, you know, that that's Clarice. And excuse me, she's running, and all of a sudden. As she's going through these obstacle courses, an officer comes up to her and says, hey, Crawford wants to see you in his office. Mm-hmm. So we're fixing to get introduced to Crawford now. And, uh, you know, she's, yes, sir. She takes off to head to Crawford's office. The first thing I noticed is when that officer turned around, the camera stayed on him. Yeah. And the way he was watching Clarice leave. Well, then when she gets up to the building and she's going to see Crawford, she goes into this office and there's all these guys again. They're just set. Uh, they're sitting around a desk, standing around a desk, whatever. And she walks in, and one of them says, uh, "Are you looking for 
Crawford. And she's like, yes. And he goes, uh, go ahead and go wait in his office. He's not here yet. Yeah. Well, as she leaves, all them men just look at her. Mm-hmm. So she goes up to the, and actually she goes to the elevator too. Remember, there's a lot of people in the elevator, yeah. a lot of men. To me, you could tell she's uh, like fish out of water. Yeah, it, it, they really made it, they wanted it to feel like she was an actual student. Like, a lot of times what will happen is if you're a rookie somewhere, mm-hmm. people that have been there for a while will make it seem like you don't belong. And I think that's kind of what they wanted to hint to. It's like, why are they calling you up for this? Why is this? You're just a rookie. You're not even an actual FBI agent. You're right. just, a, you know, you're still in school. So I think that that may have been what they were trying to do is just making her look like she didn't belong there just to make it more... Just to make the idea that she does what she's able to do throughout the movie. Right. Technically, she was still a student. And that's what me and you were talking about is, you know, how would you feel being a student at the FBI Academy and this being the first thing you ever got to work on? Yeah, exactly. And when she goes into Crawford's office, you know, she kind of looks around. Well, then all of a sudden, her facial expressions in this film are on point. Yeah. Because, you know, she turns toward the camera and her the way her eyes look, you can tell she sees something disturbing. What well, shows that on Crawford's wall, he's got all these cutouts of the newspaper where it says uh, Bill Skins Fifth. Mm-hmm. You know, so, okay, you know that the main point of the movie, the killer is skinning these women and pretty much they're on a manhunt. Right. Well, finally Crawford comes in and I believe this is the first time they've met, if I'm not mistaken. I think this is the first time she's been in his office. He had mentioned that he was, uh, she was a student in one of his classes. Oh, is that what he said? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't pick up on that part. And pretty much he's telling her, what I'm wanting is for you to take on this case. He says, I want you to go and interview another person that we've been dealing with. You know, he's building it up to her. Yeah. And finally she says, well, who is it? Because she's wanting to, when she graduates at the uh, FBI Academy, she's wanting to go to the, I can't remember what they call it, the science um, I don't remember what department of the... It, it's, it's his department. Yeah. I just don't remember the name of it. But he tells her it's Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. And, you know, like, you could tell that she's already off-putting because, like I said, it's, she's even, she's a rookie. She's still going through the academy, but they're giving her this assignment. And all he's wanting to do is to interview her, interview Lecter, because pretty much they've hit a brick wall. He's just kind of been done with them. And now he didn't, is this where he's telling her, okay, but you need, you've got to follow the rules. Don't let her, don't, you don't want him in your head. Right. She, he doesn't really let on that she's wanting, or they're, they're wanting to lecture to help them catch Buffalo Bill. Right. Because he even says later on in the, the movie that, he didn't want to send her in there with an agenda because Lecter would have known it right from the get-go. Right. So they send her in there with a survey, and they want, you know, they're just doing an interview with him. She's basically, what they're basically trying to do is get her to break the ice with Lecter because they right. shut everybody else down. Well, it cuts to, you know, she agrees to take <clears throat> the assignment. It cuts to Baltimore, mm-hmm. and it's where he's being held at, at this, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, not really, what do you call it? it? it, it it's a... It's a hospital, but it's like a prison hospital. Right. Almost like for the criminally insane and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we cut to, and 
you see she's talking to Dr. Chilton. Now we get introduced. And right off the bat, you can tell that this dude is just arrogant. Douche. He's full of himself. And he's already, and he, the first thing he says is, uh, what's well, nice that Crawford sent over an attractive rookie. You know, he's like to play off uh, uh, Dr. Lecter's emotions because Dr. Lecter ain't seen a woman in eight years. Yeah. You know, that's where he's been, he's been there for eight years. And instead of being, you know, saying, hey, look, anything I can do to help you out, or at least trying to make her feel that, you know, it's give her comfort. Right. He just went ahead straight went straight to, well, you're hot. That's why you That's why you got this position. He even hits on her and offers, right. her, or offers to show her out a night on the town. Right. But it's still the fact that, you know, he could have made her feel at home, right. welcome. But, no, he went straight for, well, it's because you're hot. That's the reason you even got this job. Right. So, already, douchebag, you know. And he's telling her, he's like, uh, there's some rules you have to follow. And he goes through this big list as they're going down to the actual uh, cell where Lecter's at. And he's telling her, you know, do not approach the glass. Do not touch the glass. Do not, uh, if he tries to hand you anything, do not take it. Do not tell him any personal information. You don't want him knowing anything about you outside of this interview. Right. So, and and that would, that would already get your nerves. Yeah, I'd be nervous. If you're... Uh, Anybody you talk with, sometimes it automatically. It's just like, and I know I know this goes how stupid comparing it, but like a funeral. Mm-hmm. One thing you don't want to go to the person that just somebody you know, like I don't know, uh, your brother just died or somebody. And you walk up to him, and be like, "How you doing?" You don't want to ask how you doing. You know, you just want to. Man, I'm sorry, and you got us. Yeah, it's just natural for you to walk up. Hey, how you doing? This and that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yep. she's got to get her mind set. But. uh it's funny because once they get down there, he tells her, he says, um, make sure that you don't go up to the, don't go up to the uh, glass because the last person that did that happened in July 8th, 1981. And he says that a nurse went in there, was complaining about chest pains and he pulls a picture out and he shows it to her and they don't show us. Yeah. But you know, the music picks up and her face facial expression uh clarice you could tell that it's a haunting picture and he says as the nurse leaned over him he tore her face up he said uh i'm it says something about her bottom jaw i guess he ripped her jaw dislocated her jaws they said they had to reset her jaw and and he ate her tongue ate her tongue and his heart rate never got above 80 while he ate her tongue yes so fix it to send this uh rookie cop down there to go talk to him fbi agent but, you know, we talk about how he is arrogant and how he's playing Clarice, like, as far as wanting to hit on her. Mm-hmm. She also knows how to play him, too. Yeah. Because she says, well, I think, you know, once they get down there and he's he thinking he's going to go in there with her, she's like, I think it would be better if I went alone because I'm new and you have a history with him. Right. Because he yeah. done told her that Lecter don't like him. Yeah. And he's like, well, I wish you'd have told me this when he's back in my office. And she said, yeah, but I wouldn't have had the courtesy of ha- or the pleasure of having your company for mm-hmm. this long. And you could see that little look on his face like, oh, dang. You know, like, maybe this will go somewhere. Yeah. But she knows what she's doing, too. Oh, yeah. So, as he leaves, we get introduced to Barney. Barney. And I like Barney. I do. And you don't really get enough of Barney in this one. You have to wait till the second one before you get Red Dragon? Uh, Hannibal. I thought he was in Red Dragon. I don't think he was in Red Dragon. He was in Hannibal, though. He had a, he had a pretty good role in, in Hannibal. 
Okay, I knew he was one of them, but I couldn't remember which one it was. Yeah, Barney really plays a much bigger role in Hannibal than he does in... (laughs) And I was glad they got the same guy after all those years, too, to get him. But, you know, Barney, the way he treats her is how uh, Chilton should have treated her. He's letting her know, hey, look, I'm right down here. I'll be watching the whole time. You're going to do great. He says, says, you go past every single one of them, and he'll be on your left. I've got a chair out for you. And that's what he's saying. He's just he's making her feel like, hey, this isn't that big right. of a deal. I'm here for you. So the buildup to me is wonderful. As she's walking down the hallway, the music's intense. And the first guy on the left is just staring at her. The second guy's like jumping on the, uh, what do you call that, the cell? Yeah. The bars. He's bars. just going nuts. That camera, when it pans around that, Wall and and Elector's just standing there, just looking out. Yeah, like I, I think that's a good introduction to him, man. It's it's kind of proper because they build up and they they do all this talking about how bad a, a person Elector is and how crazy he is and how violent he is, and they round the corner and they get right up to his glass and he's just standing there, nice and polite and straight, mm-hmm. just like well, you guys are afraid of me, right. Nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, exactly. And let's go ahead and break the ice. Does he ever say, well, hello, Clarice? Not one time in the entire movie does he ever say, well, hello, Clarice. Right. one time. It's just like, you know, I've watched a video where it was talking about all these sayings that people think happen. It's the Mandela effect. Yes. Yeah. Like, Luke, I am your father. He does not say that. E.T. does not say E.T. phone home. He says E.T. home phone. Yeah. You know, there's there's those sayings, but yes, there's never, well, hello, Clarice. Never says hello, Clarice. So, we get introduced to Dr. Lecter now, and already, to me, he seemed like he was intrigued by her. Oh, yeah. And he says, and I love this, he goes, uh, may I see your credentials, please? And she pulls her stuff out, and she shows it to him, and he goes, closer, please. And she does just a little bit, and then he's like... Closer. Closer. <laughs> I love yeah. that. You know, I I don't know. It's just that little creepiness about him, mm-hmm. you know. And this is where he realizes that she's a rookie, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. He uh, he notices the badge um, when she shows him her credentials, and she he says that it expires in a week. You know, you're you're still in the academy, basically. Right. He knows. Yeah, and. I love that because he's like, Crawford sent a rookie down here to talk to me. You know, like, it's almost insulting him. Right. You know? But now, we don't remember every word of this movie, so we're just going to... I'm talking about the points that hit me. Yeah. Now, if if I skip something, let me know. Right. But I love when she looks, and he's got these beautiful drawings. Mm -hmm. And she says, "Uh, did you do all these drawings? And he said, yes. She said, by memory? And I love the line, memory is all I have. Mm-hmm. I love that. He's been in that room for eight years. Right. And he's got details in that, in those uh, his artwork. Well, later on, they're sitting there talking, and the more they're, they're kind of just doing casual yep. discussion. But then they start getting into the Buffalo Bill, <coughs> and he's like, I could help, but I want to see the files. And she's like, I can't do that. You know? Right. She's just pretty much trying to feed to see where she can get to. But I love when she's talking and she says, uh, most serial killers keep momentums from their victims. 
And he just goes, I didn't. Yeah, and she and goes, I, no, you ate yours. Yes, I love that. And Because it, it's his facial expressions like, you know what? <laughs> you, know, you little wanked. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't remember. I know they start getting into it a little bit. They they do. She um she asks him to do the survey, and he's like, "No, you were doing so well." Yeah, and, yeah. And all this kind of stuff. And eventually, he just kind of put off, and he's just like, "You know what? Fly back now, little starling. Fly, 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 fly. Yeah, fly." fly. She ends up leaving. Wait, she, wait, wait. Well, before she leaves, when he when she pisses him off, I love it because he looks at her because she's trying to get him riled up. Yeah. Oh, she says. What are you afraid of? You're scared about something. I can't remember. I think opening up. What she, what he does, he actually goes into <coughs> a whole lot more detail about her, and basically tearing her down. Yeah, talking about where she came from. My starts making fun of her accent, and the cool thing about it is, and I actually read this once before that that was completely unscripted. When he started talking about her accent, so when she has that horrified look on her face, it's because she had no idea he was fixing to start making fun of her. And her accent and her voice and everything like right. that. And they just, they, he put that in there just to get that genuine feel for her. And then she says, you know, <laughs> you see a lot, but I wonder if you could turn that mirror back on yourself and what do you see? Or are you afraid to? Yep. And then. And then the line. And then he says. Uh, a census. He says, a census director tried to test me. And then I ate his liver with fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't breathe. Yeah. But um and that's where he's like this whole time he's been polite and he's 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 been proper and he's he's minding his manners and everything like that. When we she finally pushes his buttons, he's like, "Just a reminder, right? I'm a little crazy." <laughs> so he does that. He tells her, "Fly fly, you know, go ahead and go." And she starts walking back down the corridor where she came from. Well, the the Migs is the guy that was jumping around the bar and all this kind of stuff. Well, now he's butt necking, right, facing the wall, and he's muttering something. And, and what he's saying is like, "I bit my wrist so it'll bleed." And then he goes, "Look at the blood." And then he flings something at her. Well, uh-huh. he was pleasuring himself, and he flung it at her. And it landed on her face. Now all the inmates in the hallway are going crazy. And this is the part I wrote. All I wrote down was Agent Starling, Agent Starling. Yeah. Because he starts screaming. Because he was mortified that she was disrespected like that. Yes. And I, I wish I could have wrote down everything he says, but she gets right up to the glass. Yeah. This is like their first close encounter. Yeah. And I, and I hate that he's, oh, I love the scene. I wish I would have wrote everything down, but it was too much. Yeah, he's basically what he's telling her. He was like, I won't tell you who he is or something like that, but I will help you. He makes a comment. He said, look inside of yourself for the answers. Uh-huh. And then he said, look at one of my old patients, uh, something Moffitt. Hester, I don't know if he ever says Hester Moffitt. Come to find out that was her first name was Hester. But he, um, he said, look for a patient Moffitt. And then tells her to go. And then yells at her to go. Yeah, yeah, go now! Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was their first meeting. And it was pretty, pretty intense. Well, and when she... When Clarice gets out of the, uh, I'm just going to call it the hospital, whatever, she's, you tell she's distraught. I mean, which, you know, you would be if you just went through all that and what had happened to her. But now we start seeing that she's having a flashback. And she's walking to her car and 
we see a flashback of this little girl sneaking up on this police officer getting out of the car. Right. And now we realize because she runs up and she's like, Daddy, and she hugs her dad. and So now we see a flashback. Okay, that's her when she was little. But what, what does it have to do with her dad? We don't know quite yet, do right. we? They haven't it said anything about her dad. not say anything about her dad yet, no. Well, then I just wrote down on the next one, training montage. Well, oh. take that back. When she's talking to Lecter, I'm, I'm pretty sure she does tell him that her dad was killed. Well, that's later on, though. Was it later on? Yeah. Okay. Excuse me. But uh, now we start doing, I, I just wrote down training montage. It's just showing her like, she busts in this room with two other cops. Mm-hmm. And they all of a sudden, they're like, clear. And I'll, somebody puts a gun to her head and they're like, you're dead. You're dead, Starlin. You didn't look at the corner, you know. And it's just showing that she's still going right. through the academy. Right, exactly. So now we get uh, Crawford. He cl- uh, calls Clarice. And she gets on the phone. He says, and I wrote down Miggs, so I guess that's his name, Miggs. Miggs. Says, uh, he tells her Miggs is dead. She goes, what happened? He goes, well, all night Lecter was whispering to him. And Miggs started whimpering and crying. And he swallowed his own tongue. Mm-hmm. So. Just shows you how powerful Lecter is. By words. Touch you. Right. Just by words. You know what that reminds me of? Charles Manson. Yeah. Manson never killed anybody. <laughs> He talked to other people into doing it. If you ever listen to a Charles Manson interview, a lot of it's just babbling. Mm-hmm. But there's some things that he says that you're like, okay. Like, he makes points. You know what I'm saying? I, now, don't get me wrong. I ain't condoning anything. No, but I'm yeah. just saying, that's it's, what... It's, it's, it's very charismatic. He's got mind control. Exactly. So, uh, we cut to now... Clarice is at a storage unit, and this is where, is this, this is uh, Lecter's old patient? Is that what it is? Yeah, what it is is she's talking, when she's talking to Crawford, when he tells her about Miggs, um, she tells him that Lecter made the comment of look inside yourself. She thought it was a little too cheesy for Lecter, so she got to looking around in Baltimore and found a yourself storage uh, facility. And she goes to the storage facility, she's outside with this other guy, and he says it was paid in full or it was leased out for 10 years all paid up front to a Hester Moffat which is the one that the name that Lecter told her before so you know that just goes to show you how much detail she was actually paying attention to that whole time and she was actually dissecting all his words because she thought it was too cheesy well then she found a when he said look inside yourself Mm -hmm. she took that on a literal basis and found a yourself storage facility right excuse me so Clarice is going through the storage unit and she finds it looked like an old car it was an old car covered with like I think it was like an American flag or yeah when I first saw it I thought it was like a uh, you know like military casket with a flag but when she gets inside of it and there's uh, a mannequin with no head and it's got like this fancy dress and I think it's even holding like one of them long cigarettes yeah well then she sees this little um I don't know what you call it, like a towel covering something. And when she pulls it off, she finds the head. Now, whose head was that? I didn't it, catch that part. It was, um, you come to find out it was actually one of Lester's old patients. Lecter. Lecter. Did I say Lester? <laughs> Lester. Who the heck is Lester? I don't know. Lecter's old patients. Uh, his name, last name started with an R. 
I don't remember, bud. I don't remember either. Um, but yeah, he actually in the the head is just in this jar and it's fluid, and you can tell that it's a male head. They've got it's got facial hair, but it's also got makeup on it. So now you're trying to figure out this whole time is what is the significance of a <coughs> male head with makeup on it. Right. So now you're kind of getting a little bit of detail into what's to come in the movie. Mm-hmm. Just from seeing that head. So now we get uh, <coughs> Clarice is back with Lecter. She's telling him everything that she found. She found the head. She's trying to figure out exactly who he was. You know, and, you know, Lecter didn't kill him. Yeah. And that's what he says. He, he you know, he lets her know it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Yeah, he said I, I pretty much kept it the way I found it. Is right. What he said. Yeah. Exactly. So, anyway, he, he he's trying to lead her the right way, but he finally does tell her, I'll help you catch Buffalo Bill. I will help you out. But he wants to see all the records and all that stuff. And we do find out later that Chilton, ain't that his name Chilton? Mm-hmm. Is not approving any of this. Like he doesn't know that. Yeah, he doesn't know that he, she's back in there talking to him. Right. So we get a cut to, it says Memphis, Tennessee. That's where Johnny starts freaking out. This is where I start freaking out. And I'm going to tell this story. Uh, me and Randy are from Kennett, Missouri. Mm-hmm. The Boot Hill. And Memphis is only, what, two hours away? About an hour, hour 25, hour and a half. Oh, really? So, okay, hour and a half, two hours the most. Yeah. This movie scared the heck out of me because when I first watched it, I was probably, I'll say 12 maybe. And my cousin brought the movie over. I had never heard of Hannibal Lecter, never heard of Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill. But she brought this movie over and we watched it. And... Before it got all the way through, when this scene popped up, and all it said was Memphis, Tennessee. I knew that was close to us. And she tells me, she's like, yeah, this is a true story. This really happened. And I remember being like, for real? And she's like, yeah, this really happened. And then she tells me that Hannibal Lecter was never caught, and he's still out there, and he comes through uh, Memphis every once in a while. I mean, scared the daylights out of me, so... When people say this ain't a horror movie, this is more of a thriller, I think it's a horror movie because of that right there. Because it scared the daylights. Well, see, and the thing about it is, is no, it's not based off a true story. It's based off a book. But it is based off of a real life, um, the the relationship right. that Lecter is having with Clarice is based off of uh, a guy, He was a he was a profiler, of the University of Washington criminal, he was a criminology professor, and he was a profiler. His name was Robert Keppel, and his relationship with Ted Bundy, and Bundy actually helped Keppel investigate the Green River serial killers, who was actually Gary Ridgway, and helped catch Gary Ridgway based off of conversations that he had with this Robert Keppel. So while it's not based off of a true story. The relationship that they have and, right. and the reason that they're meeting is actually based off of uh, of true events. Gotcha. It's crazy. It is. Yeah, it is crazy. <coughs> so when it says Memphis, Tennessee, we hear Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers on the radio. Take it easy, baby. American Girl. And we see a woman, which we find out is Catherine Martin. Who actually was in uh, Grey's Anatomy. Boo, Grey's Anatomy. I've never watched it. Don't watch it. It's trash. Anyway, 
I uh, can't even believe you brought that up on this podcast. Well, your your wife, my wife, came in and they had mentioned it and they said the doctor's name and I don't even remember, but I remember seeing her on there when Lauren was watching it. So, so anyway, she's driving through Memphis singing uh, "American Girl" and um, when she pulls up, we all we see is a face watching her getting out of the car, and he's mm-hmm. got uh, like night vision goggles on watching her. What? Well, Shows her getting out of the car. She's got a bag of groceries, and she sees her cat up in probably like the second uh, story window. And she's talking to it. Well, she looks over, and there's a guy. He's got a cast on his right arm, and he's trying to pick this chair up, this big heavy chair, to put it in the back of his van. She sees him at first, and she kind of like, you know, just kind of, she almost smirks at it. She walks a little bit farther, and then she looks over again, and she sees him dropping it again. He's just about getting in the van. He just can't quite make it. So finally, she says, uh, excuse me, sir, do you need some help? And he goes, oh, would you? Be, you know, he seems like a nice guy. He's like, oh, I'd appreciate it so much. Well, she gets over there, and she helps get the chair. She puts it in the back of the van, and he tells her, would you get in the van? And I want it all the way in the, up front. Right there would have been a, a lie to me. I ain't getting no stranger's van. Sorry. But she got, she gets in the van. And she gets out of the camera view, but, you know, you can tell he's pushing a uh, chair up to her. And he goes, I really appreciate it. He goes, oh, and uh, are you a size 14? She says, excuse me, and whack. With a cast. Beats her, like, at least, I think two or three hits. Mm -hmm. You can hear her whining. And all of a sudden, he shuts the door. So we realize, okay, this is Buffalo Bill, which we knew that before that anyway. Which is actually, it's kind of another nod to Ted Bundy because that's how... One of the ways that Ted Bundy actually <coughs> lured some of the girls that he had killed right. was pretending to be injured and to getting them mm-hmm. to help him do stuff. So that was kind of, while it's not based off of Ted Bundy, they took a lot from Bundy right. for this. Real ways that people did that stuff. Yeah. And it shows him cutting up her shirt. He takes it off of her back. And he's like infatuated with her back. Yeah. And he, you can even hear him, he's like, oh my goodness. You know, like, and he's like rubbing her back and he throws, all of a sudden we see the shirt get thrown on the ground with a bag of groceries and the van takes off. Uh, and there's the cat in the window looking like, really? What's going on? What's going on, guys? Uh, let me see. Okay. And now all of a sudden we cut to Clay County, West Virginia. And Crawford is talking to Clarice again. And they're trying to figure out, you know, okay, the body's been abducted. He tells her that it's the uh, senator's daughter because mm-hmm. they found the shirt. It's a match. And they're just discussing pretty much what Buffalo Bill, like the things that he he does. And Crawford points it out. He says, well, he, they starve him for three days. Or they he has them for three days. He shoots them, skins them, and they dumps them. And, oh, I'm sorry, they didn't find, they don't know anything about Catherine. They find the body in the water. Uh, I can't remember her name now. Uh, Frederica. Frederica. Frederica, yeah, they find her body in the, in the uh, water. And that's what he's explaining to her is, um, that's his, every girl they found, which they, I think this is the sixth body now? I think so. They kept, pe- they kept referencing, no, this was... Uh, I don't think this was Frederica. I think Frederica was the first victim, but she was the third body found because he weighed it down. 
Oh, God, I don't remember this one's name. The, uh, but anyway, they're going to a funeral. Now, whose funeral was it that they went to? They were going to the funeral home. Yeah. Because that's where the body was, and they were doing <coughs> the, the autopsy and everything. Right. Well, they had the music going. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So, th- was they just holding a funeral there, and we don't uh, know? I, I guess so. Okay. Yeah. That's what I got confused on. I was like, well, whose funeral are they at? Well, you can tell she's out of place, and Crawford and the sheriff of that town, they go off to go talk, and all the officers, and the camera, <coughs> the camera is like looking through um, Clarice's eyes, mm-hmm. and she's scanning the room, and all the male cops are just looking at her like, you don't belong here. Yeah. Sexist is what they are. Yeah. Well, she walks over the door, and that's where she sees that they're having a funeral. She hears the music, you know, playing. And all of a sudden, we get another flashback, and it's her as a little girl walking up to her casket, and it's her daddy in the casket. Mm-hmm. Well, now we cut to they're about to do the autopsy to the uh, Frederica in their name. I don't, I don't think that her name was Frederica. Oh, okay, this is just a body. Yeah. This, okay, I'm sorry. Then this is just a body they found in. Yeah. And I like this scene because Clarice uh, shows leadership, mm-hmm. where she's like, "Hey, hey, hey, everyone!" She gets all the guys, officers' uh, attention, and she's like. I know she would really appreciate everything you've done for her. You've really helped her out. But at this time, there's things we need to get done. So if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and step out and leave. Because, yeah. you know, they're fixing to show her naked. You know, she's in a black uh, body bag. Yeah. And uh, they leave. They all listen to her. They didn't put up a fight. They leave. And now they're passing around stuff, I guess, to put underneath their nose to knock the smell away. Yeah. But it's funny because she turns her back. She don't want to, you know, everybody else is just doing it. She turns her back to the officers. Crawford's in there with them. Well, they finally unzip the bag. And once again, Jodie Foster's acting in this scene just blows my mind. Yeah. Because you can, it almost seems like her heart is completely broken when she sees that woman's body laying on that autopsy table. Yeah, her, her demeanor is someone that's, this is the first time they've ever seen this kind of dead body before. Yeah. Like, you can tell, like, she's, like, distraught. Yeah. She's trying to work through it and she's talking and she's recording her thoughts and what she's seeing. But you can tell she's having she's having a tough time with it. Right. She does a really good job. Well, they start uh, taking pictures of her teeth and all of a sudden Clarice looks at uh, the picture that they just took of her teeth and everything. She says, hey, there's something in her throat. And they're like, yeah, but there's normally leaves and stuff will get in there. Well, they go ahead and they... Uh, Start digging around in her throat, and they pull out a cocoon. And they're like, there's no way that could have got in there unless it was shoved in there. Well, you see Clarice put it in, or they put it in a jar. Well, Clarice gets the jar and puts water in it or something to clean it up. And that's when they realize, okay, this is uh, uh, some kind of cocoon. They don't know exactly what it is yet. But then they flip her over, and they see that she has been skinned. Uh, on both sides, left and right. Diamond shape. Yes. Which so is very important. Yes. To remember. The diamond shape, skinny. So now we cut to, she's going to two bug experts. <laughs> and they're, these two guys are playing chess or something, something. With, with these bugs. And all of a sudden, uh, the bug uh, starts moving the chest. I'm going to say <clears> they're <throat> playing chess. And Clarice is like, what happens if the bug bumps into one of your pieces? Does that count? And he's like, yeah, how do you play? And the other dude is cross-eyed as all get out. Yeah. And uh, 
automatically, as soon as he sees her, you can tell that he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like she's hot, you know. Um, but she comes down, and now they're talking about what they have found, and she shows the experts, I don't know their names, and she shows uh, one of the guys the cocoon, and he starts to cut it open. What's funny, because the guy with the cross, <laughs> eyes crossed, whatever mm-hmm. you want to say, he's like, so, uh, Agent Starling, uh, what are you doing when you're not doing this? Do you ever go out for cheeseburgers and uh, beer? Yeah. And and I love Jodie Foster's reaction. How she looks over, she's like, are you trying to hit on me, doctor? And he's like, yes. <laughs> like, I love it, you know, because she didn't take offense to it. Yeah. And he wasn't going to be uh, BS about it. He was like, heck yeah, yeah. So, I liked it that it, sh- that it showed she had a little humor yeah. with it. Well, all of a sudden, the guy that's cutting the cocoon open, he goes, there it is. And he real and he... Shows them, it's some kind of death bug because it looks it's like it's, it's a moth. Yeah, and he says like the proper name for it, but he said it's otherwise known as the death's head moss. Looks like it's got a skull and on it. it. Looks like it has a skull on the back of it. Yeah, and she says, well, "Where does those come from?" And he said, "They come from Asia." I believe. Asia. And she's like, "Well, how would it, how would that get over here?" And he goes, "Somebody's got to be homegrown in these. Somebody's got to be taking care of these, loving them." And that's what she. But he kind of trips me out because the way he's looking at, it, he's like, "Somebody loved this." They cared mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. They loved it a lot. And I'm just like, okay, dude. A little like, crazy. Yeah. You know, like, calm down. <coughs> but, <clears throat> excuse me. So anyway, now we know, okay, because as soon as he says that, that they care for it, it cuts to Buffalo Bill's home. And we see the bugs, the moths flying around. And the camera's just kind of panning through his house. And we see uh, sewing material. And he's just, he's sitting there naked. Well, you hear somebody screaming, and all you see is just the camera. The camera shows the shot of the whale, right? And you can hear her screaming, and then it just boom cuts off. Well, now they've realized. Now this is where they're still at the police academy. We cut back there, and I wish I knew her friend's name in the movie. But she runs up to Clarice, and she's like, "Hey, hey, hey! Come listen to the news." Now they've identified that the uh, is it senator. Yeah, Senator. The Senator's daughter is the one that got mm-hmm. abducted. Senator, Senator Martin. Yes, Senator Martin's daughter is the one that got abducted. They have clarified it that her name is Catherine uh, Martin. And I never picked up on it, but I love that because she's pleading. You know, they're like, now we're going to go to the Senator. And she's pleading with whoever took him, you know, the criminals. But she keeps mentioning Catherine. Mm-hmm. She keeps saying, Catherine is my daughter. She's a loving person. Catherine is this. But every time she goes to say something, it's Catherine. Yep. And Clarice's friend says, that's smart. And Clarice is like, What's, what is? What is?" And she goes, she keeps identifying her as Catherine. She's wanting the person, whoever abducted, abducted her, to see her as a human being. Right. So that that was pretty slick. I, I did like that. Yeah. It's, it's little stuff like that, that even in real life, that's something that you would want to do. Is like, if you can... Make if whoever has somebody abducted, if you can make them view them as a human being instead of just an object that they've taken, it makes it harder for them to do whatever they had planned to do. Right. Because they actually view them as a human being then. So now we're back and Clarice, it cuts to uh, she's back at Lecter's uh, cell. Mm-hmm. And she's talking with him and she says, okay, she says, I've got a signed document from the senator. If you're willing to help us catch Buffalo Bill... Um, you can get a transfer and she's telling them that you'll be able to see, go outside. You'll see a window and she goes, and then 
one week out of the year, you'll be going to Plum Beach. And Plum uh, Island, yeah. She said Island? Plum Island, Okay. Yeah. She said you could walk the beach, and, you know, she said, of course, security guard's going to be there with you. Right. And I don't know his facial reactions, which you don't have a lot of facial reactions. Kind of was wondering, does does he know she's BSing? I don't know, because he actually looks at the, the paper when she sends it through. He looks at it and notices that it's a animal, some kind of animal testing facility. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's charming, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if it's just like, I don't know if he knows he she's trying to play him or if he's just like completely like, this is the best you got. Right, right. You know? So, after he, uh, uh, after he agrees with it, he starts talking with her, and he's like, you ever heard of quid pro quo? And he's like, I tell you things, you tell me things. And he asks her, and he says, uh, what's your worst memory of your childhood? Well, Clarice starts talking about, she says, uh, my father being killed. Mm-hmm. He asks her what happened, and she says that, I think it was a burglary, wasn't it? Yep. And he surprised the burglars, and... He was shot and injured in line of duty, and he says, uh, "Was it quick?" And she said, "No, my daddy, my dad was strong. I think she said he lasted a month." Yeah. And then he, but he's after he asks her questions, she'll ask him, you know, certain questions about Buffalo Bill, how, <clears throat> uh, what's his real name, and all this stuff. But I just wrote down some of the stuff that he was asking her because I, I don't. <sighs> He was getting so personal with her, like when he said, well, what happened after your dad died? Right. She said, well, my mom died when I was uh, little. And she said, I went to live with, was it her aunt and uncle? Her cousin. Cousin. And they had a farm, and he says, what happened there? Well, I ran away. So we don't hear the full shot yet, but when they start getting really personal, and then when it's her turn to ask questions, I don't know if you if you notice or not, but I love because... He's right up, you know, his eyes are locked on the camera. Mm -hmm. Every time he's asking a question. Well, finally, this last little part where they're having a conversation, the camera is facing Clarice. But you see his, all you see is the silhouette of his face and the reflection of the uh, glass. Yeah. I love that shot. Yeah. I thought that shot was managed and shot so good, man. Little stuff like that, just I, I appreciate the film with, man. Yeah. For sure. It makes a big difference whenever you don't really take a lot of consideration when it comes to camera shots. But if it wasn't for a particular shot, you wouldn't see the way somebody their eyes are connecting or something like that. You right. Know? It just it, it it adds a whole nother dynamic to it. So now we cut to Bill's house, Buffalo Bill, and here's the big famous scene. He's looking at Catherine down the well and he's like, It rubs a lotion on his skin. Or else it gets the hose again. Right. And, uh, but he, but when he says it the first time, he says something like he puts the lotion on the skin and does, does as it's told does or something this like that. whenever it's told. But he's using this weird accent. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know how he's doing it. And she's just crying and she's begging. And then he's like, then he says, it rubs this lotion on the skin or otherwise it gets the hose again. Mm-hmm. She's down there pleading with him. Well, then he gets, you know, Upset, she starts putting it on her body, and he's like, put the lotion back in the basket. And when she's crying, and the way she's looking at him, she's saying, I want my mama. I want my mama. I want to see my mom. 
I'm going to ask you, do you feel like part of him started feeling bad? I think so. Because to me, I wrote down, it looks like he's almost holding back tears. You could tell that he, I mean, his lip was quivering and all that kind of stuff. So you could tell that he was actually starting to feel some kind of remorse. Or he was actually feeling sorry for <clears throat> But when he looked away and he he switched the way he was talking because before he was talking to her a little soft and then he started talking like when he got firm with it, he said, put the lotion in the basket. You know, he talked to her. Like, that oh, man yeah. voice come out, dude. Yeah. I'm telling you, put the lotion in the, I was like, God. <clears throat> yeah, you could tell he was getting emotional. But so then he had to basically switch his persona to get through it. That's kind of what, and I, I don't, I didn't know how to word it right, but I felt like when he was just talking to her, when he was like, he puts his lotion on this, he was feminine. Yeah. Dude, he went from feminine to, all right, my all dad right. boy's yeah. coming out. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, she puts the lotion in the basket, and he, you know, he takes it up. Well, then we cut to now, there's Dr. Chilton, and he's taunting Lecter. Right. He's laying on uh, Lecter's bed in the cell, and they've got Lecter in a straight jacket with a thing over his face. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he he's he's telling him he's like they scammed you Hannibal. He don't call him Lecter. He calls him Hannibal. He's like they scammed you. He said I talked to the senator herself and she didn't agree to any of these uh, stipulations. He goes, do you really think you're going to be out of here walking on a beach and just being a douche? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what he's good at. And I don't understand why he would try to ruin what Clarice and Crawford's trying to work for. But he's well, you you do it's for his own self. Yeah, that's what he's wanting. But um, Lecter never says a word, I don't think, the entire time. Barney's still... He does. But when when he tells Barney to, to get out and Barney starts to walk away, Hannibal just, like, softly says, Barney. He just says, Barney. Does he? Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. Yep. And did you notice Barney's face when when uh, Dr. Chilton's talked to him about they scammed, you know, this... He looks like, what are you doing? Yeah. To me, it was almost like, dude, really being a douche. Yeah, you can tell, you can really tell just from the couple of times that you see Barney and and the way he, his facial expressions whenever Chilton is talking, you can tell Barney's a good guy. Right, and Barney's he's not trying to he's not trying to ruffle any feathers or anything like that. And and I think him and Hannibal have what what you find out in the Hannibal the second one that he's he was a. He had a particular relationship with, with Barney. Right. Well, they finally, Dr. Chilton tells him, he goes, but I've worked up a deal with a senator. Yeah. And he's like, we're going to transfer you, or we're going to take you to Memphis, Tennessee. If you'll tell us who he is, we need to know who is Buffalo Bill. And so, but the whole time he's talking, Lecter is looking down and he sees a pen laying on a, like his uh, cot. Yeah. And it's all he's focused on is that daggum pen. Well, then... Next thing we know, we see it cuts to we see an airplane, and he's being transferred to Memphis, Tennessee. The airplane lands, and we finally see Hannibal Lecter in his Hannibal Lecter mask, that famous brown mask with the straight jacket, the orange jumpsuit. It's just when you think of Hannibal Lecter, that's what you think about. Right, the mask, the the straight jacket, and then that orange, the orange pants. So, uh. Dr. Chilton's right next to him, and they're meeting up with the senator. And she comes up, uh, Senator Martin comes up, and she's being very polite to Hannibal Lecter, and she's telling him, uh, I heard about the fake, 
what is it, like the fake uh, the, contract? The fake offer. Offer, yeah. yeah. She says, but I'm here to tell you that I'll match everything I just, if you'll just help me get my daughter Catherine back. And to me, this is another one of them scenes where Lecter seems so charming, but then again, he he, he turns that little, you know, and that's what he says. She's like a, she calls for a guy to get the contract. He's like, no need to read it. I won't waste your time. Yeah. And he was like, pretty much in a nutshell, what he's saying is, is I'll take your word for it. Right. I'll help you the best way I can. But then all of a sudden he turns <laughs> it on her and he's like, did you breastfeed her? And they're like, do what? And she's like, he, she's like, yeah. And she, other, she's intrigued when he was like, she was like, yeah, what does that have to do? You know, I was like, you need to tell me right now. What does that mean? You know? Right. And I can't remember the exact way he put it, but it was something about. He said, basically, what he was telling her is like, "Did did you best did you did you nurture her?" And he, she was like, "Yeah." She asked him. She was like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Did you breastfeed her?" She said, "Yes, I did." You know, other guys are you know getting irritated. So he goes, "Toughened your nipples, didn't it?" <laughs> and then then you can kind of tell that she's starting to get put off by that conversation. So then. He starts talking about how an amputee, a man who or somebody who whose leg is amputated, will feel their leg tingling for after it's amputated. And then he says, "Tell me, mom, when Catherine's on the slab, where will it tingle you?" Yeah, she's like, "Get this monster out of here!" Yeah, take this monster back to Baltimore. Yeah, because he was going to tell him, you know, the uh, the description. But yeah, she says, "Take him back to Baltimore." She turns around and leaves, and Lecter just all of a sudden yells, Five foot ten, strongly built, about 180 pounds, hair blonde, eyes pale blue. He'd be about 50 now. He said he lived in Philadelphia, but he may have lied. That's all I can remember, Mom. But if I think of any more, I will let you know. And as she's walking off, he goes, Oh, and Senator, just one more thing. Love your suit. And I love it. That's one of my favorite lines, because a lot of people will watch that, and not put any stock into it. Just him talking, you know, and, and kind of demeaning her. But taking what you know after you watch the movie, to me, that's letting him know. that that's, that's him letting her know what's about to happen to his daughter. She's fixing to become part of his suit. Because mm-hmm. you find out what Buffalo Bill's actually doing with these girls. Right. So to me, he's kind of foreshadowing, and he's oh, yeah. like, "Hey, I'm mocking you. I'm letting you know. I know what's fixing to happen. I love you, suit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's that little arrogance with mm-hmm. him. Now we cut to Shelby uh, County Courthouse, and they're holding Lecter there. And now we see Clarice; she's in there, and she ain't supposed to be. And they're checking her weapon, and you know, you see the reporters coming by, and she's kind of like ducking her head, and mm-hmm. Doctor Chilton's coming by, and she's kind of like. You know, you do that thing where you don't want to see you kind of like yeah. cover yourself. and But she goes up and the two officers that are guarding them, uh, she's like, I need to speak to Mr. Lecter. And they actually give her the drawings. Don't they give him? She didn't come in with the drawings. They yeah, gave she, them to her. she brought the drawings. Oh, she did? I thought, mm-hmm. see, I thought they gave them to her. Yeah, she brought the drawings. This right here is my favorite scene of the entire movie. This is where Jodie Foster... And Anthony Hopkins did an amazing acting scene. Yeah. This is why I said she's one of the best actresses, <coughs> and he's one of the uh, best actors. She walks up to the the cage, is what I'm gonna call it. <clears throat> That's what it was. 
and he's just sitting there reading a book, and she walks up, and he just starts going. He knows it's her, and this is the first time he's seen her since the false uh, documents that she, the contract she made up. And once he asks her when he first gets there, when she first gets there, he's like, he says a name. He goes, well, "Did that come for you?" Anthrax Island. Yeah. And he, she talking about the the island and stuff like that. He was like, "That was good." Was that yours? And she goes, yeah. He's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I just love it. But they're talking and she says, I just need the name, doctor. You know, she's want, She's finally like, this is the, she's like, this is our last chance. I need to know the name of who's doing this. <coughs> and he tells her, he says, you never finish your story. She's like, and she's getting upset. She's like, doctor, we don't have this much time. And he's like, no, 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 because he's actually pissed because she played him. And um, he looks at her and he says, uh, no, I want you to tell me the story. You ended up on the farm and what happened? I ran away. And she, he's like, you didn't just run away. What happened? <clears throat> and this is where she says when she was a little girl, she woke up to a horrible sound. It sounded like children screaming. Mm-hmm. And she said, I went out to the barn and she said, I was so scared to look, but I had to look. And he's like, go on. And she says, and it was lambs, and they were screaming. And, you know, it's, what did he say? So the farm was a slaughtering. It, it was, basically, it was, a, it was slaughtering time for the spring lambs. Yeah. And that's, that's what it was, that he was, um, the lambs were being slaughtered. Yeah. You know, as, as you know, you, you do. And it was the sound of them being slaughtered that she heard. And this line <coughs> that... The way that uh, <coughs> Clarice, a.k.a. you know, the, Jodie Foster, the way she presented and said this line, I love. She says, I thought if I could just save one. Yeah. But he was heavy. So heavy. The way she, because she died down as she said it, so heavy. You know, you tell it broke her heart. Yeah. And she says, I only made it a couple miles and the sheriff come and got me. And he goes, what happened to the lamb? And she goes, they killed it. And I don't know. It's just I can't, I don't I don't know. I, you know I'm not gonna say word for word what they said, but just the the scene. This is where I noticed his eyes were watering. Where I said it was almost like that's why I was like, did he was he trying not to blink or what? But just the way the camera would pan around and she was getting antsy because she knew her time was limited, and she paced back and forth around the cage, and and he just sat there in that chair and he would just turn. But every time he would turn and stop, his face would be perfectly lined up with the bars. Yeah. I, I, See, it's it's this whole scene is like everything, every interaction between the two of them has led up to the most intimate moment in the entire movie for them two. Because she doesn't know it. That's the last time she's going to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything has boiled up into this moment. And now... They have the most intimate moment between the two of them where she tells him that story, all that kind of stuff. And this is where he kind of leans into her and, and he's talking about how, what is it about him that, what, is, what does he do? He, you know, trying to, trying to get her to see what he's, he, he already knows. Right. Why does he do what he does? Well, she's like, he's angry, he's sexually frustrated, you know, all this kind of stuff. That's when Hannibal Lecter says, no, he covets. Yes. Which... Basically means he wants what somebody else has. Right. He covets what somebody else has. Right. 
And he's like, how do we begin to covet? And she's still not getting it. He's like, we covet what we see every day. And she, she doesn't really put in too much stock into it right then. Right, right. So. And I love, because he goes, time's up. <coughs> time's up, Clarice. And he's like, Dr. Chilton is on his way. And here comes Dr. Chilton. I guess he, he just smelled him or what. Yeah. And they're like, go. Dr. Chilton's like, nope, you're out. You got to get out of here. And they, gr- they grab Clarice. And she's like, give me a name. Give me a name. And they just keep drag- bragging her out. Dragging her out. And all she keeps saying is, uh, give me a name. Finally, he's like, Clarice, your files. And he hands them out to her, and she grabs them. And I cannot remember what he says to her. I don't. Maybe he don't even say that to her. Good luck, Clarice, or something. But he slowly just touches her finger. Mm-hmm. He rubs her finger. And to me, that's he's been longing for that. Yeah. For eight years, he has not seen a woman, talked to a woman, or touched a woman. You know, which it's kind of like to me a. I don't know how to really say. It. I guess my being in jail. Yeah. You know, the first thing people get out of jail, what are they gonna do? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So anyway, they bring her off, and now it's back to lecture cell. This is you know a few. I'm gonna say an hour or so has passed, and it's supper time. Yep. And it's funny because second uh, dinner. Yeah. The two cops. Yeah, that's what I think. Say the two cops are like, <coughs> son of a gun. One at a second dinner. And he says, uh, lamb chops, extra rare. But you hear the classical music going, and he's sitting behind this curtain. And they're like, uh, Lecter, you ready? He said, just a moment, please. And he's continuing to listen to music, but all of a sudden, he pulls that pin out. Yep. Now, that was one thing we forgot to mention. When they landed in Memphis, remember they were going to sign the contract, and Dr. Chilton, Chilton was looking for his pin? Couldn't find his pen. Yeah, so right there, you knew Lecter had it. Maybe Barney gave it to him. <laughs> May have been. But anyway, uh, we see Lecter pull out this little... It's part of the pen out of his mouth. Yeah. And he's holding it between his middle finger and his ring finger, you know, when he gets out. And he's like, ready when you are. Sergeant Primbury. Yeah. So they come up. They come to the door. He puts his... He, he sits on the ground. He puts his arm through the bars. They handcuff him, but as soon as they handcuff him, he starts picking the lock. Yep. And the two officers come in, and uh, I got the guy's name wrote down somewhere here. Uh, a Boyle. Officer Boyle starts to put the uh, tray of food on his drawings, and he's like, mind the drawings, please. Mm-hmm. He sets the food to the side. He starts rolling up the uh, drawings, and but when he, set, uh, when he sets the... Drawings down, boom. Lecter's got the handcuff on him, locks him to the cell, and he sc- Boyle Officer Boyle screams at the other cop, watch out, he's out. The other cop starts to come inside, boom. Lecter kicks the cage against his uh, body and then just grabs his face and starts gnawing on his face. Mm-hmm. The whole time, Officer Boyle's trying to get his arm, you know, get his hand out of his handcuff. And, dude, he is freaking, okay, he's biting the dude's face. Then he starts ramming the dude's face in, or the back of his head into the cage. Then he pulls out the dude's mace and just starts, <laughs> I'm like, golly. The whole time he has this chill-like look on his entire face. Never any anger. Never any anger. And I love this part. I don't, and it may not have been, 
this part right here may not have meant what it seemed to me, but he turns and looks at Officer Boyle, and the way he pulls that nightstick out, it looks like one of the guys that has the stick when he's doing the orchestra. orchestra. Mm -hmm. You know how he's telling, like, playing the, the music, yeah. you know? But he pulls it out so softly, and he just looks at him, and Officer Boyle is trying to get out, and he just starts screaming because he knows he's done. Yeah. And it don't show it on camera, but, man, you just hear whack, whack, and just slowly the blood is just spraying mm -hmm. up on Hannibal Lecter. So he kills him, and then all of a sudden it just cuts to everything's quiet except for the little classical music. And there's Lecter, man, and he's just looking up at the, or he's not even looking up, he's got his head tilted up, eyes shut, blood all over him, the body's laying everywhere. And he's just enjoying the moment. Yep. And then you hear the other officer making noise. And the whole time the camera is panning up where you can see the whole chaos, what he just did. And Lecter's looking around, all of a sudden he finds a little pocket knife. And this is where he says, ready when you are. Sergeant Pembry. Yep. And he goes out and you have no idea what's going on. Mm. So, <clears throat> excuse me. <coughs> anyway, so now all of a sudden, all the officers that are on the last floor, uh, you know, lower level, they see the elevator. Is it, is, it's going up, right? Yeah, it goes up to level five. And they're like, wait a minute, who the heck's on level five? And they start calling for the two officers and nobody's answering. Well, they hear a gunshot going off, a couple gunshots. So they all start getting ready. They know something's going on. Well, now all of a sudden the elevator's going back down. They're like, officer, look, or chief, look. And it stops at three. So now all the other officers are going up there. They break it. They bust in where Lecter was at. And he has gotten Officer Boyle up onto the cage with what? Was that his guts ripped yeah, out? Yeah, he, he had him. He eviscerated him. Yeah, his guts were ripped out. And he had the sheets it looked like he looked like an angel yeah right? like you would depict an angel but he was he was eviscerated and hanging up on the cage well over on the other side is well, what's the guy's name i can't think of sergeant Pembry. 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 he's laying there lifeless i mean he, he's barely breathing <coughs> yeah cut and, up all the heck and they can't find lector anywhere and they're like lector's missing one officer's down one's dead and it's funny because you can tell that cop's still like a rookie cop. He's like, officer, he's still, or he's like, sergeant, he's still alive. He goes, hold his hand, son, make him feel, make him. Talk to him. Yeah, talk to him, make him feel, you know, comfortable, whatever, you know, give him encouragement. And he's just sitting there holding his hand, talking with him. Well, now all of a sudden they get him up on a, a, a gurney. And before they put the IV and all that stuff in him, he starts flipping out. Yeah. And they're like, we're losing him. Let's get him in the elevator. So they get him to the elevator. And as they're coming down, uh, the main sergeant's on the radio, and he's talking about Lecter's missing. We think he's on level five. Two. Oh, was it two? I think he said level two. I don't know. He said they're on a level something. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you see blood drops coming from the ceiling, and it's landing on the uh, sheet that that officer is under. And I thought, to me, this was slick. Instead of him being like, all oh, crap. They're like, come back on there. Are you still there? And he's like, yeah, we think Lecter's on level two. You know, And he pulls his gun out. <coughs> they get uh, the body out of the uh, elevator. They got, they're got they taking him to the ambulance. And they know Lecter's on top of the elevator. So two officers head up there. They open the door. They open the elevator above the floor, you know, where the elevator stopped. And you can see, finally, there's Hannibal Lecter laying on top of the elevator. And they're like, yeah, he's on top of the elevator. 
he's wounded because he's bleeding, you know, they which they heard the shots. Yeah. And they're like, Lecter, put your hands up, blah, 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 because he's got a gun with him. He's not responding, so one of the officers says, shoot him in the leg. Shoots him in the leg, no reaction. So they finally tell him, they're like, okay, there's no reaction. So all the officers come into the uh, elevator. They break down the door, and the body falls. But the body is not Hannibal Lecter. It's It's actually Sergeant Primbury. And it cuts to the ambulance, and there's who you think is Sergeant Brimley or whatever his name is laying on the gurney. Uh, It's actually uh, Hannibal Lecter. (coughs) He raises up, takes uh, the towel off, and then you realize he has cut the dude's face off and put it on himself. Now, we don't see what happened. That's all you see. Great scene. I thought that was it was so clever because not only did he cut the guy's face off, he actually cut his face, like he cut like cuts in his face to make it look like his face had been all cut up. That way, it just didn't look like you know his face was sitting on top of Lecter's face. It right. actually looked like his face was all kinds of cut up. So, yeah, that was that was slick. Yeah, oh yeah. It was. <coughs> so now we cut to where um, Clarice. That she knows that he's escaped. It looks like they're in a, I don't know, they're in a hotel or what, but like she's just got in the shower. Yeah. And this is where her and her buddy are talking. And this is where her buddy says the exact same thing. She goes, We covet what we see mm-hmm. every day. And it clicks, finally clicks with Jordan because remember Hannibal Lecter left her a note on the map and was talking about he doesn't have a pattern, he doesn't go. It's not like he's leading somewhere on his trails. Yeah. It's just people that he's know he knows. So it finally clicks that Bill knows his victims. So we cut to Clarice goes to Frederica's uh, house, which is actually the so the third body they found, but she was actually the first victim. Right. Because he weighted that body down. So that that's kind of where they He's like, what does he do? He covets. How do you covet? You covet what you see every day. Right. So that's where they come in. He's from wherever she was from. That was his first victim. So she's talk- she pulls up and she's talking to a man and it's uh, Frederica's dad. Yep. And he's like, you can go look. He goes, I left her room the way she left it. He goes, but I've, you know, the police have already been by. I don't know if you'll find anything else. <coughs> Excuse me. So she goes upstairs and she's just looking and you know, you tell she was a cat lover and, yeah. you know, all this. Well, she looks over at the, on her little vanity and she sees a little box that, you know, you open up and it plays music. It's a ballerina. Yeah. Well, she's looking at it. She, I, I'm guessing she just either instinct or she sees that the back is kind of peeled. So she rips it, the back off this little box and she finds these Polaroid pictures of Frederica in her underwear and a bra and like... Looks like she's posing for somebody. Right. So, I'm guessing Buffalo Bill took them pictures? I I don't think so. It, to me, it seemed like they were pictures that she had taken that she was trying to, to hide. Like, she had took those pictures of herself. Oh, okay. Or had somebody take those pictures of herself. It never really, never really says anything about who took the pictures. Mm-hmm. But that that was my thinking is it was, they were pictures that she had taken or had taken of herself. Right. That she was just kind of hiding. So she, she's fixing to leave the house, and she sees this closet. She opens the closet, and it clicks with her. She sees these dresses. Well, she sees this other dress, and it's got triangle cutouts. Yep. So she realizes it just cuts all of a sudden, 
uh, she's talking to Crawford on the phone. She's like, he's making a woman's suit. And that's what he's doing with his victims. He's starving them where uh, their fat will be looser and he can skin them. And, yep. and they're already like, yeah, we, we got, uh, he's like, Starling, Starling, we know. We're heading there now. His name is Jamie uh, Gum. And it shows, you know, it shows an actual picture of the guy they're going after, which is not the guy that. Mm-hmm. And they said he's in Chicago, Illinois. And she's like, well, Chicago's only 400 miles away. I could be there. He goes, no, 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 you, you've done your job well. We're going to take care of it, you know. Uh, and uh, I don't remember, where is she at at the moment? She was in Ohio. And basically what Crawford wanted her to do was get as much ammunition against James Gum while she was in Ohio. So basically he wanted her to go around and find out what he could about this guy and about Frederica and basically just keep investigating while she was there. Right. So now we cut to we're at Buffalo Bill's house and Catherine is like shows all the scraps that she's been eating. And she's like, thanks for the scraps, you a-hole. Yeah. But she's taking these chicken bones and she's <coughs> trying to get his dog, which is his dog's name is Precious. Mm-hmm. And she's throwing the bucket up there and it's got the uh, chicken bone tied to it. And she's trying to trap the dog. Well, you hear the music, good, the song, Goodbye Horses. And it shows him in there and he, uh, Buffalo Bills. Finally, you get to see the bizarre side of him. Yep. And of course, this is one of the big famous scenes. But he's putting lipstick on. He's putting a woman's wig on. But he's actually got skin still attached to it. Yeah, if you saw that. Yeah, it's her hair. It's They basically just scalped them. And, right. And, uh, you know, he he's looking at the mirror while he's putting lipstick on. He's like, would you do me? I'd do me. Yeah. I'd do me hard. Now, of course, he says yeah. more derogatory than that, but that's what you're going to get on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. And the whole time, she's still trying to capture uh, Precious. Well, anyway... Uh, he finally doing the dance in front of the uh, the mirror, and sure enough, he looks down, tucks it in, because he's wanting to be a woman. Yeah. So, anyway, now we cut to uh, Chicago, Illinois, and Crawford and his team are going after the wrong guy. Yep. They're going to a house, and they think <coughs> this is where Buffalo Bill is, and it's not even his name, and... The FBI is, like, trying to cover up like they're a florist. Like, they got flowers they're delivering. And they go up to this house, and they're just fixing to bust in. Like I said, now they're in Chicago, Illinois, and it cuts back to uh, Clement something? I don't remember if it was Illinois or where. No, that was Ohio. Ohio. Okay, Ohio, yeah. So they're in Chicago. Uh, Clarice is in Ohio. Well, it cuts back to the Buffalo Bill's house, and as he's got his stuff on, he hears his dog whimpering. No, now he's just walking around in his pajamas or whatever you want to call them, sweatpants. And he's like, Precious? He's looking for Precious. Well, Catherine has Precious down there in the well with him, and he starts lowering the bucket. He's like, here, put put Precious in the bucket. And she's like, no, she, she needs a vet. She's hurt. And he starts flipping out, and I love it because he's like, don't you hurt my dog, you know? Yeah. And she's like, don't make me hurt your dog. And she's like, she's in a lot of pain. And I love it because he leans over and he's like, you don't know what pain is. Like, I love that. Yeah. There's that, I don't know, man, something about his voice, that little little switch. Mm-hmm. Well, we hear the doorbell going off. 
And the way this camera, or the way they filmed it to where you really think they're at his house, yeah. they're fixing to bust in, was genius. Yeah, I, th- I thought it looked really good because whenever the, the guy's ringing the doorbell in Chicago, it's... You know, cuts back to him inside his house, and it shows the bell ringing. So he's looking around, freaking out. Well, then they ring it a couple more times, and then he finally shows him opening the door, and there's Clarice. And there's Clarice. She's showing her badge. She's like, hey, I just wanted to, you know. She's like, "Uh, I needed to speak to, I think. um, Her name started with an L. Yes. Oh, uh, Miss Littman. 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 She, and he's like, oh, she don't live here no more. <coughs> well, in Chicago, they're busting down the door, and they're like, there's nobody here. And the camera, the way the camera pans on Crawford's face, and he's like, Clarice. Yeah. Like, he realizes, oh, shoot. Yep. You know? And uh, Bill's like, no, uh, no, they moved out. I bought the house from them. And she, and he tells her, she goes, well, I'm Clarice Starling. He says, well, I'm Jack Gordon. I don't know if that's his real name or if it's the fake name. I, yeah. You know, you never really know. And uh, she's like, well, do you have an, uh, any way I could meet with him or call him? He's like, well, I've got a number here on the on the card. He goes, I can go get for you. He goes, you want to come in? And she's like, yeah, you know, thank you for letting me come in. And as they're walking through the house and he's going to the car, go get the cards. He's like, does this got anything to do with uh, the missing women? Cause you know, even he says about Miss Lippman, he's like, "Oh, is that was not her, but the daughter." He's like, "Wasn't she a big old fat woman?" And mm-hmm. she's just like, "Well, she was a yeah, she was a big girl." Yeah. But anyway, as Buffalo Bill is looking through his cards, Clarice is starting to get suspicious. She's looking, and she starts seeing the wrap, like you would wrap stuff in, like skin dresses, yeah. all that stuff. And then she sees sewing. Uh, Material, the threads, all that. <coughs> well, what finally sells it for is when the stupid moth lands right there in front of her. Yep. And she knows, oh, God, I'm, yep. this is him. I'm in the right house. I know. And she's still a rookie. That's what me and you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. This chick is still a rookie. And she's on the biggest case in her life she'll ever be on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, he's like, here's the number. And she goes, thank you. And like her voice cracks. She goes, can I use your phone? He goes, Yeah. But he looks at her, and he he knows now that she knows. And uh, he he goes, yeah, of course you can use my phone. And he puts his hand up and starts laughing. And we see a gun sitting on the stove behind him. And all of a sudden, she pulls the thing out. She's like, freeze. Put your hands in the air. He's got his hands in the air, and he drops the cards. And she goes, turn around. When he turns around, he grabs the gun and takes off running. <coughs> so now the chase begins. And Clarice is... Uh, you know, she's she's following him down because he runs. What he does is he runs straight to the basement. This dude has a big basement. He's like a I'm, freaking tunneling. It's like he's got rooms everywhere in there. Well, the first room she goes into, you finally actually see he almost has a woman's suit completely made. Mm-hmm. It was on like the mannequin body. And she's flipped out about that. Well, then she turns around and she goes through another door and she finally finds Catherine in the well. Mm-hmm. And she's letting her know, hey, Catherine, I'm here. But I like what Clarice does, too. Catherine's like, don't leave me, you you know what? And Catherine's like, I need you to calm down. And when she looks around, I never notice. She raises her voice even higher. She says, the other officers are on their mm-hmm. way. I never caught on to that. Yep. She's playing. 
Because she knows they ain't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she just want him to know. She's like, hey, you better get ready because more people are coming. Right. <clears throat> so as she's going through the house, she goes into this bathroom. And there's a tub there with this rotted, nasty old, looks like an old woman laying in this yeah. tub. And all of a sudden, boom, lights go out. <clears throat> she can't see nothing. And he's got his uh, night vision goggles. Yeah. And we see everything through his eyes, the night vision goggles. Her acting. I don't know if they really put her in the dark. I, I'm, I'd almost guarantee you that they did. Just to make it 100% realistic. God, dude. Jodie Foster is just amazing in this. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Her breathing. The way she was look, tripping over stuff. And she Freaking kept her out. right hand with that gun shaking the entire time. Mm-hmm. Loved it, man. And you know that would be the scariest thing. Oh, yeah. Because even if you're at that moment... Okay, you know, even your adrenaline's going, you can't just go and be quiet. You're going to be like, you know, sound like me and you are right now. Yeah, really. And <coughs> Buffalo Bill's behind her the entire time, just following her. She, she's going through the rooms, and all of a sudden you start seeing through his eyes, his hands like wanting to touch her hair, but he don't. Mm-hmm. Well, she spins around, and they're almost face-to-face, and he's got his hand like right up on her face. And he goes to touch it, and he hesitates. Well, finally, she uh, turns around. She's uh, not facing him anymore. He pulls the gun up, pulls back the trigger, or the hammer. Hammer, I'm sorry. And you hear it click. Dude, she whips around. Boom, 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 boom. Just starts firing. She turns around starts blasting this dude. Got a hold of him. Shot him. Goes through the window, so now there's light in the room. And he's laying there. He's gargling blood all up and... To me, that looked very convincing. I'm like, he was twitching. His, it, it looked really good. Yeah. And Clarice is just like, you tell she's overwhelmed, mm-hmm. like exhausted. So now Buffalo Bill's dead, man. And uh, I wrote this in my note because it, it really hit me. Um, after it's all said and done, you know, now it's to the scene where. You see Catherine walking out with a dog. Mm-hmm. Did you see they tried to take the dog away from her? She, she goes, no. Yeah, she no. wouldn't give it away, yeah. Right. But it's the way after <coughs> after Catherine's going to the ambulance, when Clarice is walking and Crawford walks up to her, and he puts his arm around her, and he asks her if she's all right, and she tells him whatever. You can, you can tell that Crawford cares for her. Oh, yeah. Not in a romantic way. But as like a father figure. Yes, like he... He is so concerned and so, I don't know, for her well-being. I mean, but the way he's holding her, to me, I was just like, man, yeah. they got that bond. Yeah. So we cut to Clarice is getting honored. I don't know if it's her graduating the academy or if she's just getting honored. I think it's her graduation. See, I, 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 didn't, I didn't really know if that's what it was or not. Yeah. Because they actually give her a badge, her credentials. Oh, they did? Yeah. Okay. So... <coughs> They're all around the. They're all. She just got her badge. They're all, uh, you know, in high spirits. They finally caught Buffalo Bill, or he's dead now. They finally got him, and they come by, and it's it's her friend, the one we can't ever remember her name. She walks by, she goes, "Hey, you got a phone call?" Yeah. And uh, don't you look up her friend's name this late in the game? No, nope, I'm looking it up. Don't look at it. I'm looking it up. We'll do this whole episode again. No, nope, no, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up. But anyway, um, Ardelia. What? Ardelia. Ardelia. Walks up and says, hey, you have a phone call. And before she goes to take the phone call, uh, Crawford says, hey, uh, I'm fixing to duck out. These things, these kind of 
parties ain't really my thing. And she says, I understand. She sticks her hands out. He grabs her hand. He says, I want you to know your father will be proud today. I love that. I mean, yeah. it's just, because like I said, he's like a father figure to her. Yeah. And, but then he goes, don't forget your phone call. Turn around, walks off. She goes and answers the phone. She's like, hello. And then we find out it's a Hannibal Lecter. This is where he should have been like, well, hello, Clarice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Finally give it. Yeah, we should have finally got it in that part. <clears throat> and he goes, she goes, Dr. Lecter. And he's like, don't. Don't try to plan on tracing the call. I'm not going to be on here this long. But he makes her aware, and I love it. He makes it her aware, I'm not going to harm you. This world's uh, better off with you in it. And he's talking with her, and he goes, but but what he says is, I love it, because she goes, hello, and he goes, has the lamb stopped screaming, uh, Clarice? Yeah. That's what I love. And uh, he goes, um, Something about, I don't know how he words it, but pretty much it's like, you ain't got to come after me. And she goes, well, you know, I can't do that. Yeah, he, he basically what he says, he's like, I'm not going to harm you because the world's more interesting with you in it. And I expect you to extend me the exact same courtesy. Yeah. Basically, I'm not going to come after you if you don't come after me type thing. Right. And she <clears> says, <throat> you know, I can't do that. And they never say where he's at. But I mean, I, I'm going to say he's like Puerto Rico or something because they're on an airplane and all yeah. that. But I love it because he's sitting there in a the suit. <coughs> he's got a wig on. He's got mm-hmm. his, you know, little... White hat, fedora hat on. Yep. And he's like, uh, I'm having an old friend for dinner. And it's Dr. Chelton getting off an airplane. And he hangs up the phone. He puts his hat on. And she just, the way Clarice is just, Dr. Lecter. Yeah. Dr. Lecter. Like, the camera's just panning. She's looking at the camera. The camera's just panning back. Great feel. I mean, I don't know. It's just like, (sighs) on one hand, it's like, uh, she just had the best moment of her life. She got she graduated. She got her badge. But now this guy's still out there. Mm-hmm. It cuts back to Lecter, and he just gets up and he slowly does a strut, and he's just following Doctor Chilton all the way down in this crowd. Credits start rolling, man. Yep. And that is the end of Silent the Silence <coughs> of the Lambs. So great freaking awesome. movie. I love this movie. It's absolutely one of my favorites. So. I don't know, man. It's just it's so good. So I guess now, best part of the show is the rating. So you gonna make me go first, thank you? Yeah, because I went first last time. Yeah, you did, didn't you? <clears throat> so taking this movie and and just watching it as somebody that loves it, and it's obviously one of my favorites. Um, I I didn't see a whole lot for me to nitpick in this movie. I really didn't. But just because, like, the acting is really good. There were a couple of scenes, like, like we were talking about when they were in the hotel close to the end and they were talking like they were reading off a script and, you know, that kind of thing. There I, there were a couple of scenes that I felt were a little slow, you know, where it just felt like they just they just threw in, like, 25 minutes of just, an, just something to filler, basically. Um, so, I mean, there was a couple of things, scenes I thought were slow. Overall, man, the acting in it, like you're talking about the camera work, the music was like the, and it's it's Anthony Hopkins, man. It's, right. He's the one that sold it for the most part. I mean, because he's not in the movie the entire time, but when he is, he commands the movie. Right. And that's what makes it so good. So I thought Ted Levine did an amazing job playing playing somebody with like a, a dueling personality type mm-hmm. thing. Yep. Um somebody that was really fighting within himself. Jodie Foster obviously did an amazing job. Oh, yeah. Um, so, looking at this, 
like I said, I didn't see a whole lot for me to nitpick other than those one couple of things. So it's hard for me to give this thing a low score. I'm actually going to give it about an eight and a half or a nine. Which one? <laughs> I'm leaning towards the nine. I really am. Just because there's so much about this movie that I love. And it's and it all stems and it all starts with Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter. Just right. because he he plays, he has that quiet demeanor, but it's also that savagery about him, you know. Right. It's just man, this <coughs> so much can be said about this movie that that just gets overlooked sometimes. Right. Just the little stuff, man. It's so good. It's one of my favorites. Alright, so now so Randy gave it a nine. <coughs> Nine stars. I'm going off. Great acting. Great story. Camera work. Loved it. The suspense. Loved it. Uh, it's not as slow as I thought it was back when I, you know, because that's one thing I was like, you know, y'all know me. I, if you've listened to podcasts enough, I've told you I like backstories and depends on the movies that like, like Freddy vs. Jason. I'm going back to that. That's my favorite movie. Like, you know, of course, Halloween's my favorite, the original. But I'm saying Freddy vs. Jason had everything I wanted in it. And even though I nitpicked it last week, or two weeks ago, I gave it a nine and a half stars. Yeah. If I'm getting on IMBD or Rotten Tomatoes, I give it a ten every time just yeah, because yeah. I, I'm a fanboy. I love it. But with The Silence of the Lambs, really not much that I can nitpick. So I'm giving this one... Nine and a half stars. Nine and a half. Nine. I absolutely love it. Right on. It's going to be hard for me to give a movie <coughs> ten stars because to me that makes it like, okay, I know, like you said last week, Freddy vs. Jason, you gave it our first ever ten stars. Mm-hmm. But that was your first time viewing it. First time I've ever seen it. Uh, you really dug it. You liked the music. You loved the action. You loved the comedy in it. The kills. And now that I've seen it, I could go back and watch it now pick it apart. Right. And I'd probably give it a little bit lower score yeah. just because stuff that I, I would notice now. You may give it a nine, yeah. eight and a half. You right. never know. Right. Where I nitpicked it last week and I gave it a nine and a half. <coughs> and I know some people are like, Sounds of Lamb should be getting ten over Freddy versus Jason. And this is just our opinions. Yeah. But no, for this movie, because it this isn't a movie that I watch a lot. Right. Uh but when I do watch it, man, I love it. But the acting is amazing. The camera work is what really drew me in. And the chemistry between Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins was the bomb. They just have so much good chemistry. I'm giving it nine and a half stars. Would not give it anything less than that. Right. Almost gave it a ten, but to me a ten is almost like a perfect movie. Right. So, you know, um, I would like to have more backstory on Hannibal Lecter. I, they, told I, I, him, I they told some, yeah. but to me it wasn't enough. Yeah. And... There was a few things that I got confused on it, like when he was talking about like the head in the jar and stuff. Yeah. Like, that's like I said, if I would have had a little bit more backstory on Hannibal Lecter, then maybe yes, I would have gave it ten, or even Buffalo Bill. It was just like boom out of nowhere. Right. But yeah, uh, I really wish in Hannibal Jodie Foster would have came back. Oh man, I wish she would have. And this to this to me, the Silence of the Lamb blows Hannibal out of the water. Oh yeah. But I understand why Jodie Foster, if it was true about what Jodie Foster said about she didn't want to do like the, it was a scene where they cut the brain out. Mm-hmm. I get that because that was just almost trying to do shock value just to be shock value. Right. 
where this movie didn't focus on that. Yeah. But I would have loved to seen her return for it. Oh, man. I would have loved to seen her and, and Hannibal go at it for the entire movie. Right. The way, uh, was it Julia Roberts? No. Yeah. No, 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 no. Not Julia Roberts. It was Julia something or other. I don't remember her name. Mm-hmm. Julia something. She was in Boogie Nights. That's all I remember. <laughs> but anyway, that is our review on The Silence of the Lambs. Uh we hope we didn't get on your nerves too much with the coffin. We really tried to maintain it. But we had a blast doing the podcast. Uh, we had a blast watching the movie. And I cannot wait uh, because the last episode of this month will be 13 Ghosts. Yes. And I'm so excited because I have not seen that movie in a long time. It's been a while. And to me, that movie, which we've said before, I feel like is sometimes doesn't get the uh, credit it deserves. It really doesn't. And I've loved it since the first time it came out. So, anyway, that'll be our next episode. We'll be 13 Ghosts. Appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Oh, and you know our social media is on Instagram and Facebook at uh, Small Town Horror with Johnny and Randy. Now we are officially on Twitter as well. Twitter. And our tag name is uh, at Small T Horror Pod. That is how you can find us. Um, That's probably where we're going to do more of the posting where it's going to be like, hey, what do y'all want to hear? That's where we may do more questions because it seems like Twitter gets a lot more feed than Instagram and Facebook. But other than that, um, that's pretty much it. You know where to find us, obviously, if you're listening to us. Anywhere you can get your podcast. Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you can get your podcast, you can look us up. Right. So just remember, Twitter now, <coughs> at, and our name is at small t horror pod. So anyway, with that being said, we're fixing to sign off. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, and of course, uh, as always, you guys stay scared. Stay spooky.